Welcome to How I Got Hired, a podcast to inspire job seekers to find their dream jobs or reinvent their careers. I'm your host, Sonal Behel, founder of Supercharge and career strategist. And I hold a conversation every single week with a new guest who's had extraordinary career success. And today, I'm going to be speaking with Andrew Richards. Andrew has had a very, very interesting career. He started out as an agronomist and worked with potatoes. Yes, potatoes. He was a potato consultant and then moved on to sell cars. Then he moved on to sell medical devices and then did completely different stuff. And I'm not going to give everything away, but trust me, this is a very, very interesting conversation. And now what Andrew's doing is he's coaching men over 35 to go about their business with a relaxed confidence that allows them to meet life's challenges and enjoy the ride. Wow, that sounds fantastic. So hop in, come along for the ride. This is a cracking conversation and I'm so glad you're here to listen. Andrew, welcome to How I Got Hired. Hi, Sonal. How are you doing? Very well. And you? Good, good. I'm the right side of a coffee. Always always a good way to start. Amazing. That's the best way to start. So, Andrew, let's let's get into it. Your career, because I'm, I'm pretty curious, uh, you know, like most people's careers, right? It, it goes in very interesting ways. And your first job, a little bird tells me that it was a, an agro... Uh, okay, one second agronomist <laughs> and you were, you worked as a potato consultant and then interesting stuff happened and you got other jobs so i want to hear how did you get this very first job uh, yeah it's not even on linkedin that one um well <laughs> i i trained as a biologist um and i loved that and at the time the the jobs market this is back in the early 90s wasn't that great uh, so I decided that I needed to make myself employable. And at the time, everything was about you know, computers and IT. And it was the very dawn of the mm. online sort of emergence that we're all in now. Um, so against my better judgment, I did a master's in what was called biological computation. Um, wow. Basically making biologists a bit more employable by sort of exposing them to computers and maths and things um so i did that and i really struggled with it to be honest because uh i'm not very good at maths or not mm-hmm. um, but anyway um while i was finishing that off i thought well what the hell do i do for a job um what do i want to do i always like being outside um and i sort of did that it was almost like a the way um, some people think of dating. I was trying to think of all the things I was attracted to and mm-hmm. uh, being outside, um, biology, um, solving problems. And I don't know how I arrived at it, but <laughs> I was living on a farm at the time up in New Yorkshire. And I used to see the uh, the various people coming and going to the farm that were advising the farmer. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I decided to apply to join um, a government agency which gave farmers advice. Uh, and I trained as an agronomist. So ah, um, wow. sort of crop protection and irrigation and all this stuff. Right. Um, hmm. And I, I did it for a few months and I quickly realized that farmers pay for this advice because they think they should, but they don't actually listen to it. Ah. <laughs> I got quite annoyed by that. So I thought, uh, maybe this isn't the best best place to start. But as part of 
the training, we got trained in in sales um, to sell the consultancy. Mm-hmm. And that part I really liked. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is different. Um, this is this is much more me. Um, and at around the same time, my father-in-law, who's eighty years old now, gave me a really cheesy American book by a guy called Tom Hopkins. Who so those who are a bit older might have come across, but this is the classic eighties how to sell mm-hmm. <laughs> um, methodologies. So I read that. Um, and it was all about closing and all this stuff. And I thought, okay, fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I made a, a radical decision. <laughs> it felt pretty radical to me at the time anyway, um, to sort of depart from my education and learning and try something different for what I always thought would be a short while. Um, and I had the harebrained idea that I would go and sell cars. <laughs> what? Okay, uh, so we're pivoting already. We're like two minutes in. Yeah. Uh, Potatoes to cars. I can. Well, I, okay. I was there's there's logic if you bear with me. So, <laughs> being in the farming world, mm. um, there were all these Land Rovers around and things, and I'd always liked cars. Anyone, I thought. Well, I'm, I've learned how to sell. I thought I had, and of course, it was the worst training ever back then. But I've learned how to sell. I'm interested in cars. I know about farming and how money changes hands. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to walk or cycle actually to my nearest Land Rover dealer and persuade them that I'm going to be their next salesperson, Mm. Um, which is a strange thing to do as a double graduate, really, um, when you're 23. But I I did that. Yeah. Um, um, I did phone ahead first. um, And I had a nice conversation with the guy who owned the the dealership, and he, well, he, he gave me a job. I did persuade him to give me a job, commission only. Um, well done. Yeah. Um, and that was an education. His ulterior motive was that he would use my computer skills to clean their customer database and stuff in my, we made a deal. I'd help him with that in mm. exchange for a job. And uh, well, what an education that was because there were these two guys that had been there for years and knew every single local person mm. where I live. And they ba- basically had a desk either side of the door. <laughs> so anybody that walked in, they would uh, basically grab them and uh, they don't, they'd know them already or they'd, uh, you know, they'd start a relationship because they were nearest the door and they had a sort of pact, like a profit sharing pact between them. So I had no chance really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I learned that I already learned there was another way of, of um, relating to people that was a bit right. more, a bit more genuine, I yeah. guess. Um, so I think those, those clients who weren't traditional Land Rover clients at the time, because uh, they just launched an SUV for the first time, yeah, uh, more of a, called the Freelander. So it was like a, a vehicle for ordinary people, really, who weren't farmers or landowners or whatever. And okay. Okay. as families families came in, I, I would talk to them. And I, I was moderately successful mm-hmm. at that. Um, and that is where my first real career breakthrough happened in the most unlikely of ways. Yeah. Um, Again, this is straight after uni, really, the, the first 18 months. And I'd realized that, uh, you know, this wasn't a long-term thing for me. Um, but I met a guy who was looking for a, a freelander for, for his family. And uh, we got talking. 
and he was telling me about what he did for work and he said yeah i, I work for johnson and johnson um and i sell surgical equipment laparoscopic equipment mm. i had no idea what that was um <laughs> i was always interested in medicine and things so we talked about that and he said what Andrew, what are you doing in here selling these these things? You know, you could, with your education, you could actually be working in medical devices and and uh, and selling those. And I thought, well, oh. never thought about that. Never even knew about it. Um, Go figure. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, I, like always before, I did a bit of research and looked into it. And he said, "This is back in the back in the late nineties. Look in the." Uh, Look in the Daily Telegraph on a Thursday afternoon in the job section and you'll see jobs for medical sales. Okay. Yeah. Um, newspapers, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, news- yeah. I bought a copy, looked there, and uh, there were adverts for recruiters that were recruiting into medical sales. So I just got on the phone and uh, this very nice lady said, can you be in Cambridge tomorrow morning? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said... Yeah, and I took a day off. And where you were know, you? Oh, wait, she I, said I, was, I was 60 miles away in, in Norfolk, so I said, okay. 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 So um, I hopped in a Land Rover, which I, you know, I had. Obviously. <laughs> brand, brand new one, actually. I remember it was bright red, brand oh, wow. new Land Rover, nine miles on the clock. It was just out of the showroom. Um, and I hot-footed it over to Cambridge and had this interview with a recruiter. And they said, yeah, you could, you could do really well. You could mm-hmm. do really well at this. And uh they put me in front of um, Abbott, mm-hmm. um, a lovely guy called Martin Wogan, who I'm very fond of still, uh, met me. And we just clicked instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those interviews where, you know, we, we didn't want it to be over. We just really mm-hmm. got on well. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, look, I'm going to offer you a job. Uh, and, well, I was just right so excited there. about it. Right there, yeah. It didn't take a lot. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took the job with Martin, and that really was a start of something, mm-hmm. um, start of farmer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so from farming to farmer, yeah. <laughs> different different fields completely, right? Um, with, with pharmaceuticals. Car- Absolutely, with car yeah. sales in the middle. That's really interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I just followed my nose, really, Sonal, yeah. and uh, yeah. and that started my career in in the whole drug industry. Um, it wasn't possible to move straight into medical technology and device sales because that was sort of seen as the thing you stepped into after mm. cutting your teeth in, mm-hmm. in um, you know, selling drugs uh, to um, hospitals and GPs and things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. my plan, my, sorry, you have a question. You have a question. No, go ahead, I'm, go ahead. I'm waffling on. My plan was to move into medical device sales after a couple of years, and I did do that. Okay, good. So it, it, it worked according to plan. So Abbott was a couple of years and then the plan was something like Johnson & Johnson, which you got. And yeah. in fact, you were there for five years and you were le- you know, one of their leading uh, salespeople. And how did this job come about, Andrew? Well, I'd remembered uh, the, the customer at Land Rover who worked for J&J. So I always knew I would be trying to get to Johnson & Johnson. It had such a good reputation mm-hmm. as a as a company that did great training, developed its people well, um, and was market leading across a very broad area of, of different sectors. So, right. um, same same deal, really. It was still the Daily Telegraph on a Thursday. <laughs> but, but hold on, you kept in touch with that guy who who was in J&G? Yeah, I did. Ah. Um, he advised me a little bit. Um, mm. 
he advised me a little bit, but it really, it was down to my own research and I was fairly persistent in keeping an eye on openings near to where I lived. And eventually one did come up and on, I thought, on I a just, Thursday, on a Thursday in the Telegraph and you applied. Yeah. Yeah. I just threw everything at it. Okay. Um, so I've never really done that thing of applying for tens mm. or hundreds of jobs. I just never saw the point. I mm. just decided, saw something and then threw a lot at it. So mm-hmm. I read voraciously. I looked at the layout of the organization, the different divisions. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm interested in, in medicine as well, which helps, right? So mm-hmm. um, by that point, I'd been two years immersed in working in hospitals and um, my, my family background, uh, a couple of members and nurses. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's been in the family a little bit. Um, but yeah, that opportunity came up and I was just really excited by it. And I remember the interviews really well. Uh, yeah. And I was myself, uh, as I always am, in interviews. And again, I made a really good connection um, with a, a gentleman called David Rennie, who is still in the industry, um, really charismatic leader. He, he'd hate me saying this, by the way, but I, I loved working with David. Um, and yeah, he had, a he, he saw things in me. Um, he developed his people really well. And I, I flourished there actually. Um, cause we were in all kinds of different types of surgery in the operating room with the surgeons. That's where the sales made when you're doing medical equipment. So, um, oh, I see. so I got, you know, full, full training in anatomy and physiology, even, um, we did a little bit in Edinburgh Medical School with working on cadavers, you know, so dead bodies, for those who don't know what a cadaver is, mm-hmm. um, um, just to get the hang of all the anatomy and all the rest of it. So saw every kind of surgery from heart surgery to orthopedics. And uh, yeah, it was fascinating. Did you, with, 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 with all of this going on, Andrew, did you slightly even entertain the idea of, of pursuing medicine? I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my mum always wanted me to be a doctor. I mm. think that's that's uh, quite a common thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I I did look at it, um, but at that time, what are we talking about? Ninety nine, two thousand. I already had a couple of kids by then, um, and the priority seemed really to be having enough money to do the things we wanted to do as a family. And I, I knew what retraining at that stage might mean. I mean, looking back, I wasn't actually too old to do it really. Yeah. Any, any regrets though? Uh, no, 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 good. Good. no. Um, I reckon I could have done it and I reckon I could have been good at it too, but mm-hmm. there's so many things, right. That we can all do and be good at. So um, I was, I was able to be happy with my decisions. In fact, I've always been able to be happy with what I decide. So I decided to uh, to uh, continue with it. Um, and after three years at J&J, I got promoted to lead a team for the first time, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved that. Uh, what were the two, top two things you loved about that? Well, <laughs> actually, it was the individual people and their story and mm-hmm. why they were everyone needs money right but mm. why they why they did their job what they wanted in life and yeah. you know helping and removing barriers for them so that they could enjoy their work and you know so we could all in, have a great time at work and and make it make it fun 
I'm still in touch with a few, and that's it's a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. great. That's great. Um, because it is boil, it does boil down to the individual and their motivation. Yeah, meeting yeah. them where they are. Yeah, so, love that. So you continued, Andrew, with healthcare sales. You know, lots of different places: Doctor Foster, GLG, Clarivate. So let's talk about these moves. You know, were they sort of you know planned or they just happened? Well, there is a bit in the middle which you might have missed on LinkedIn. I don't know if you saw that, but mm. I did. Ah, yes. Self-employment? I, yeah. For the first <laughs> time around, I pushed it really hard at J&J and I probably almost burned out because I had, by the end of J&J, I'd had, we had four kids. They were all, at one point we had four kids under five. Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> and I was traveling a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, hands, hands full. Hands full. And I, I just, at the same time, I was cultivating an interest in, um, I discovered by accident having a house for the first time, I was pretty useful with my hands at fixing things. Mm. And at the same time as loving my work and raising a family, I got obsessed with um, bigger and bigger projects at home, um, you know, DIY stuff. And mm recognizing the signs of getting exhausted and not seeing a logical progression into the sort of corporate ladder of um, going into the head office or things that would take me away from home more, I decided to have another change of direction and develop property and sort of do home maintenance work for a a year. Um, I loved that, but my brain starved quite quickly. (laughs) Your hands were happy. Your hands were happy, but your your brain was starving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I started doing some freelance sales training um, mm-hmm. for other companies for a while, and um, it dawned on me again that I needed a new challenge. So that's when the next phase came in with the um, the healthcare sales of a different type. So um, I did go back to employment, and Doctor Foster was information sales. So it was a first time I really sold something intangible you know mm-hmm. so no product that you could put your hand on it was information that was well it was red hot information because this was information that hospitals needed to know about how well they were doing as a hospital versus all the other hospitals that were nearby um, so they primarily around patient safety right so they could see you know where they could improve their clinical practices uh, that that was a really interesting and very politically sensitive role in that, you know, I find myself in a meeting room in a hospital with the board of the hospital, you know, sometimes delivering some bad news about outcomes in a particular field of surgery being well below where they should be from a patient safety perspective. And, you know, mm-hmm. sort of heart, in, heart in the mouth moments for these, these uh, senior leaders in hospitals. I think. Um, but I, I kind of grew up there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really high-pressure um, situation. And in the spirit of uh, the theme of this podcast, actually that led to uh, the next step, as it were. Right. Um, so so what happened after two years funny. and seven months? Uh, well, yeah. It, while I was in those hospitals, I met a guy who um, was sort of a, a commercial lead inside a hospital because it's actually a commercial market competing in a way for uh, patients. Um, mm-hmm. Hospitals in the UK are, you know, independent businesses essentially. So I met a, 
an interesting guy called David uh, Morris who was seconded into uh, a hospital, but he was actually there from PwC. He wasn't a substantive uh-huh. employee. Uh-huh. Um, he 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 was he was there um, in a seconded role to lead the commercial function of a hospital. And uh, me and David, we really hit it off. We got on well. Um, he liked that I didn't wear a tie. <laughs> I uh-huh. remember that. Yeah. And so <laughs> yes. he recruited you. Yeah. Well, in a roundabout way, um, yeah. you know, he'd asked me if I'd be interested in, in uh, you know, joining consultancy with the experience that I'd gathered working for Dr. Foster. And I, again, not thought about this as a possible career path, um, yeah. but I, I attended interviews past PwC's entrance sort of exams, as it were. And mm. uh, there I was as a, a fledgling management consultant, um, which again is different from sales, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, what was it entirely. like? Well, it was a bit of an eye opener. Um, yeah, a professional services environment is that much more formal, I guess, than um, an outwardly commercial role. So, and I did some really interesting work as uh, you know an interim NHS director for a while, and and really built out my stakeholder management skills there. Um, and delivering, you know, really highly sensitive deliverables against the clock as consultants do. That was a, a load of skills that I'd picked up there. But um, yeah, it, it was a very different thing to be exposed to, but I knew quite quickly that I didn't fit in um, to it, mainly because of the uh, necessarily stringent rules, regulations, guidelines, uh, channels that you move through in those organizations um, really didn't suit me. Uh-huh. Uh, so having realized that, um, I started looking out again to other opportunities that somehow made the most of all the things I'd done so far, <laughs> um, yeah. which, uh, which um, was also offset by the need to make money again, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Provide it's a recurring the theme. I just need, Absolutely. yeah, I, I had to, I had to. And, you know, I, I looked around and I thought, well, I'd always tried to make a move that increased my salary by a good lump. I thought, mm. okay, I'm going to do that. And I was, I was doing the following the money thing. So, and also mm. I, I saw something completely different again, uh, but it was life sciences generalist uh, leading a function in a company that does outsourced services, so a BPO, business mm. process outsourcing. WNS. Uh, WNS, yeah. So I went there um, and I had a fascinating time. Um, I'd never worked for a, an Asian company before, an Indian company. Um, and and that was really interesting in the way that it was run differently. Um, the relationships inside the organization were different. Everything was different about it and it was really stimulating. Um, I got a chance to go to India a lot. I'd never been east of Israel, so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was my first time visiting um, anywhere in Asia. So mm-hmm. I must have went. I went to India fifteen, twenty times over that yeah. period, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was fascinated by that. And um, that was just uh, again a, a real period of growth for me. Um, traveling a lot within Europe, traveling to the US. It was a, a global role, really. Um, 
And, and the kids it was were, an eye-opening thing. Sure, sure. And the kids were a little older because you're back to the traveling. Because I'm guessing with sales, it's unavoidable anyway. Uh, y- yes, and that's been a feature through a lot of my career. And mm. um, if I if if I'm going to regret anything, it's time away from home. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, at various moments where, as you can imagine, with four kids, there's going to be a crisis at some point most weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're four thousand miles away, you're not much use. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they were young. Um, the money was good. It was a, definitely a growth, um, a growth period for me in terms of understanding myself um, and what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and after yeah, nearly four years there, it seemed like the right time for something a little different again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, having a, a low boredom threshold as I do, so <laughs> I, I just uh, again start another process. I mean, the, how, this, how did this, this one ra- happen? How did this one PLG? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, trying to think now how that it, it certainly wasn't the Daily Telegraph by that point. Um, <laughs> it was probably Monster or something like that. One of ah. the, the, is Monster still going? Yeah, I don't know if it is. Yeah, at your, at your level, Vice President, they were hiring in Monster. That's interesting. Yeah, was it cool. master? Or t- it might have been total jobs, one of the two. But okay, but a job board—that's the yeah, job board. Yeah, I looked okay. and um, I saw this thing. I thought, what the hell is that? And it just looked—you know—I saw healthcare. I saw, um, I saw, um, you know, different things in there that were interesting, and I applied. Um, and again, really interesting company. Mm. It, it reminded me, in a way, of Doctor Foster in that. At that time, at least five or six years ago, the expert network industry was was a bit younger. Um, so they were f- leading the market there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's different now. I think there are more competitors to it. Um, but the idea seemed really elegant to have half a million uh, experts who weren't employed but were reachable by and curated by the network to answer pretty much any exam question an organization has about really, really niche topics. So, you know, in the end, there might be two or three people on the planet who are really well qualified to answer that question. Um, And we were selling that service into pharmaceuticals and life sciences. And uh, yeah, that was, that was really, really interesting work. Uh, Really positive. I loved it. Actually. I loved that work. Yeah. Um, Again, leading a team, um, Right. And, uh, traveling uh, around Europe insanely often. Mm-hmm. But Europe <laughs> um, is so much, so much more doable than, than Israel or India, you know, far it, it, it is. But I think what I found was the frequency of it. Um, you know, rather than having a week in India or whatever, mm-hmm. I was different city every day for, you know, some weeks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And that, that that's quite exhausting. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that work. Um, okay, so that lasted two years, and, and then what happened? Well, well, there was a restructure there, um, and I moved on mm-hmm. um, to Clarivate, which is is a you know a different organisation, and it was part of was part of Thomson Reuters. So it was mm-hmm. ex- exiting from the ownership of Thomson Reuters to become Clarivate, and this was a uh, an information sale again. Um, uh, running a team there, um, again another another dimension 
to, uh, by this time I've become really well rounded in healthcare and life sciences. So yes, yeah, there, there was lots of different angles from which I knew it. But and um, you were with them till till July two thousand nineteen. So yeah, time. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so. Well, and, and therein lies the, the transition to the coaching I do now, I guess. Uh, that's that's what, what spawned me into the current um, position I'm in. How did that happen? Well, um, a couple of years ago, I was going through a tough time personally with, with work and all, all manner of different things going on in my life. And, and my wife said to me... Um, why don't you talk to someone about this you know and who isn't me (laughs) to get to get some different perspectives on it and um i spoke to my friend simon dawson uh who is a coach um we just had a chat about what was going on and the experience of telling somebody who didn't really have a, a vested interest in an outcome for me or um didn't judge me for what I'd done or what I was doing or going through was was really refreshing and impactful. I remembered it really uh, for a long time afterwards, that experience. So while I was at Clarivate uh, HR, um, we're really good there in offering courses and, you know, professional development for the leaders um, and actually everybody in the organization. Um, And I'd remembered the coaching experience because I'd always actually been really much more interested in the personalities, the people inside of Mm. my work environment than the work itself. Um, Rewinding, rewinding to to 22-year-old Andrew. uh, Farm consultant, what was it? Farming? Well, yeah. And you enjoyed the selling part, which which makes sense. Yeah, I suppose all those moves tell a story in a way that yeah, uh, you know, I was looking for something that I wasn't finding, and it was helping people um, in a different way that I hadn't realised. So I said, "Hey, have you have you got any training you can put me on around coaching?" And they said, "Well, well, no, we haven't, but feel free to go and check some out. Uh, you know, see what's out there." So I found a course, and they were very supportive in saying, "Yeah, go for it. Uh, do that. You know, as a part of your development." And the minute I got there. Um, the minute I got there, I knew something was going on. Something different was going on. The mm. first time I, I went mm. into that environment to be trained in coaching, it was very different. Mm. Um, I, coming from a corporate background, I was yeah. expecting structure and handouts and yeah. PowerPoints and, and all this, and there was none of that. It was very much more experiential, you know, experiencing yeah the human side um, and being fully present with, with somebody else in a, in a coaching sort of context. And uh, I was blown away by it, actually. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it really shook me to my foundations that a conversation with the right questions in it at the right time could really make such an impact on somebody. Yeah. So just going back, you know, it's funny because you said in the beginning there was a lot of dating, right? Figuring things out. And now it sounds like you fell in love, like deep in love. <laughs> right. <laughs> with, it is. With Which is a com- yeah, complete contrast to me personally, because I met my wife when I was about 12. So no, joking. Actually, we, <laughs> we, 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 were, we were not yet 20. Um, but mm-hmm. professionally, yeah. Um, 
yeah, professionally, I've been a serial monogamist, I suppose. And yeah. uh, it's taken a long, long time to find what was already there, actually, but I hadn't realized. And that okay. was this, this desire to help people in a different way. Yeah, love that. I love this transition story. I'm going to come back to it in a second, Andrew, but I want to know, um, let's close the sales chapter for now as in, you know, your deep inside sales because you probably work with clients who do sales because they can relate with you. But um, during this period, you know, over two decades when you were in sales and you've seen a lot of, um, you know, firsthand, you've seen what it takes to be a top sales talent. So if anyone's who's, you know, listening and wants to be better at sales, what are some of the traits that you think have helped you and you've seen help your team as well? A great question. Um, yes, lots of things. Uh, but the things that really stand the test of time, I would say, are when somebody is natural, warm and attentive, um, in a in a sales dialogue, mm. it's it's extremely disarming. It it needs to be genuine, right? You can't force that, but mm. genuine interest in what's going on over there with with the client, the customer, the person. So taking an interest in that, mm. um, being well organized. Uh, I've never seen a successful salesperson who isn't well organized. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I've never seen that. There's always some method to what might look like the madness. So a business plan behind it, you know, working backwards from a target or having a clear idea of which elements of a a geographic territory or a bunch of accounts are going to yield the best return for the effort you're spending on it. Um, those things definitely always are a feature. Yeah. Um, and the final one I would say is right in the first moments of an interview with a salesperson, if if they're not asking for the business in the interview with you in the closing stages, then that's not a good sign, right? So, you know, they, they, the trust will have been built and they should feel confident in asking you for the role. Mm. And, and when I saw that, I knew that, you know, there is somebody I'd like to hire. Um, you know, a question that, I'd heard a few times and I've certainly used myself in, in, you know, in getting a, a sales leadership role is right at the end of the interview where, you know, you're thanking the interviewer for the discussion. You, you, I enjoyed our discussion today based on what we've seen and heard of each other. Are there any reservations you have about me as a candidate for this role that I can address now? Mm. You know, simple question to ask. Mm. Make the ask, make the ask. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And if they haven't got any reservations at that point, then, you know, you're in with a good chance of securing the role, aren't you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So show some of those, you know, sales skills um, right at the interview stage, as opposed to, you know, I'm going to impress them when I'm there, when I'm with the company and officially. Um, But absolutely makes perfect sense. Be interested, be organized, make the ask. Love that. So yeah, be be interested rather than interesting. (laughs) Right. So that goes a long way. Yeah, that's right. Be interested in what they're saying, like genuinely yeah. listening. Uh, yeah, yeah. One mouth, because there's a lot of, um, lots of closing, always be closing, ABC oh <laughs> yeah. stuff going around, which only gets you so far, maybe not repeat clients, but uh, this is uh, evergreen advice, I think. So, great. So, Andrew, coming back to the present, when, um, you know, you, you decided to do the self-employed coach thing full time, 
you uh, decided to work with men over 35, which is a very specific, you know, drawing the line in the sand. Uh, so tell us what brought this about and how did you get hired, like, you know, like a, in an official way by your very first client? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I do find myself working predominantly with men over 35, but um, I, what I've also found is the more I do that, the more I end up working with, with women too, which is great. Um, it's a weird paradox. So with coaches and consultants and so on, it makes a lot of sense to have an area of specialism. And I would say that's definitely where I'd specialize because, uh, well, I've had some of those experiences as a, a man over a certain age, <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, just looking at those that have worked with me, uh, you know, they, they see in me what they want to, uh, affect some change in, you know, uh, they, they identify with some of the things that I'm saying um, in social media and mm -hmm. it, you know, it really resonates. So I'm in a very fortunate position and that, that forms the backbone of my work. But certainly when I'm working with companies, for example, I'm, I'm coaching all kinds of people, both men and women. So, you know, I get the best of both worlds in a way. It's like a, mm -hmm. <laughs> the analogy I like to use is like a, a, a jazz singer who enjoys singing soul now and then as well. Right. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And how did yeah. you get your very first paying uh, client? Well, that that was LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. So, like a lot of people, I'd had a LinkedIn profile for years, um, but it was that one that grows with people you're connected with at work and things, and you don't post anything and you don't really look at the content much. You just have it as a online resume, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought, well, where are my where are my potential clients likely to be spending time? Um, probably there rather than Facebook or Instagram mm. or whatever. So mm. uh, by sort of trial and error research, some coaching with people, I decided to build out my LinkedIn profile and make a few changes to it um, and then start producing content, which to start with was really weird uh, because as an employee, right, you think, well, I've got to be quite careful what I write here or say anything because yeah. it might it might come back to bite me on the bum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you have to let go of that as a, a you know, a self-employed person or a, an individual practitioner because, yes, I suppose it could come back to haunt you, but actually people are interested in, in what you have to say, whoever you are. You know, yeah. I've, I've slowly learned to post whatever, right, you know, even once I stood on my head on the grass. I um, remember. <laughs> <laughs> and that felt great. And yeah, it's just who I am. So it's speaking I, your truth and not giving a damn about what people will think. In fact, you're, you're attracting that niche that you're talking about. Uh, men over well, 35. It, well, that's true. And I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that um, there's so many men out there who are not comfortable in their own skin. Correct. Um, they, Correct. They, don't, they don't have that sense of ease about who they are. Um, right, right. And, and you're to help. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw this on LinkedIn today. There's so much unfolding that has to happen. And you're yeah. there giving yeah. them a nudge, helping them out. I love that post because um, you're always sort of out in the outdoors, you know, um, uh, English countryside. <laughs> um, that's attractive. 
So thank you. That's been helpful. And, you know, Andrew, with everything going on, we're recording this in the end of 2020. It's a hard time uh, with the <clears throat> pandemic and companies are slow. Um, you know, when it comes to the labor market, there's a major glut. Any advice for someone who's listening to this today on, on how they can get hired? Yeah, um, I would say digging a few very deep wells mm. versus digging hundreds of shallow ones mm. is is definitely a good idea. So you, you'll hear people say, oh, I've applied for hundreds of jobs or whatever, and I've had no success. Well, yeah, um, I, I would say look to what you really, really want to be doing and isolate down the opportunities to single figures, yeah. you know, under 10, preferably under five, and really focus on those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get to know the people who are hiring for those roles, talk to employees there, obsess about it, get interested in it. Um, and the more you do that, the more likely I think it is that you'll be successful because firing off loads of online applications is soul-destroying, time-consuming, and rarely successful, right? Because Absolutely. There's nothing distinctive in the application to help the hiring manager make a decision. Right. And the spray, and I talk about it as well on LinkedIn, the spray and pray never, I mean, rarely works. And, and I love that you said that because you have experience with it. Wait once a week for the Telegraph yeah. on a Thursday and go and go all in because that's what yeah. you did. And, and you went completely, you know, swimming inside. You didn't tip your toes in the water, but you completely swimming inside and getting everything. And I'm guessing this is also, you know, uh, in the mid 90s, etc. It wasn't that easy, right? Google wasn't around uh, to do that sort of research. But if you could do it, then we can do it now. People can do it now. So yeah. there's always hope. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, Andrew, this is my last question. So we're coming close to the end. And I ask this to all my guests, you know, what is that one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success? Um, well, I would say that moment was during my coaching training. Mm. Um, and it was the first time I coached somebody as a, a you know, a noob, a newcomer coach, a noob, um, and it was seeing what the impact was of that conversation on that person and the shift they made in half an hour of focused attention on an issue or a challenge that they had. And seeing what they, you know, later that day went on to go and decide based on that discussion, I just thought that is huge. Yeah. And that, you know, it awoke something within me. I thought, right, okay. There's no, there's no debate here. There's no discussion. This is what I have to do. Absolutely. Um, and it is such a high when that happens, when you're like, I had a little part to play in that. That's um, the, yeah. impact. the impact of that is you can't compare that with, with anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's addictive. Yeah, it is in a, in a good way, of course. Um. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, very satisfying to be able to help people. Yeah. Satisfying. And the word I'm looking for, the other F word, fulfilling. So fulfilling. Yes, you're like, definitely. this is it. This is what I, this is what I love. I'm doing what I love. Best feeling in the world. <laughs> Fabulous. So, Andrew, how can people learn more about you? What's the best way? Uh, well, look at my nonsense on LinkedIn, I think. It's a, <laughs> it's a good idea. 
I can't promise it will always be uh, insightful, but I always have great fun. Um, oh yeah, you do. Making. And it shows, it shows. I think Andrew, um, just for the sake of my, my listeners, I think you're being humble here. Andrew has some of the best content out there on LinkedIn. If you appreciate men over 35 being honest with themselves about work, family, fun, then you got to follow and you know you got to follow Andrew I'm going to put the link uh, to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes Andrew this has been such a pleasure thank you so so much for your time thank you Sonal it's been great fun so there you have it I hope you enjoyed listening to the show and if you did I'd love for you to do one little thing go to Apple Podcasts so that's podcast.apple.com and leave me a review this really really helps the discoverability of the show and can help inspire job seekers out there to find jobs and take care of their families can you think of anything more important right now Hmm? I didn't think so so thank you so much for listening thanks for hanging out with me today connect with me on LinkedIn I'd love to get to know you and what you liked about the show And, and perhaps if you have ideas feel free to reach out so take care of yourself and until next time bye for now